0: Hello, welcome to Willow is Media. Alyssa and Annabelle are back for another episode. We are going to get you up to speed with everything that has been going, maybe not everything, but a lot of what has been going on in the media this week. I've got a couple of great news stories for you. Sorry, again, that we are covering a COVID story. However, this is important. It affects almost all of us. And it is a positive one. Oh, wait, so there's I more. Like it was, I felt like it was important to talk about, so we're going to unpack that today. And then for my second story, it's a little bit more fun and lighthearted. It's about two things most people can get behind. Makeup and Chipotle, so Mexican food.
1: Yes!
0: We'll get into that later about why those two things have something to do together. But Alyssa, what have you got on your side?
1: So today I am talking about the weekend boycotting the Grammys, which is this weekend. And like the overall racism that kind of went into this decision of his, as well as another artist that I will get into. And other than that, I went into a rabbit hole on mm-hmm. my second story, which is The Fall of Army Hammer. Oh, I'm excited for that one. You will not believe the things that I found out. <laughs> I'm sure there is some serious tea. I
0: mean, I did like a Google search mm-hmm. and was appalled. So I don't know how you made it down that rabbit hole. Cause there's some scary stuff there.
1: And even like, even my research was like baseline. Like I'm sure there's like more to it, but I'll give you like the start and give you the opportunity to go do more for yourself. But Annabelle start us off.
0: A lot of controversy on Alyssa's side. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that'll, that'll I'm a fun. messy,
1: I'm a messy girl.
0: All right. Well, something that was, um, may be messy to get completed, but it is completed, is the Senate and the House and the President have finally, drumroll please, da, 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 passed a COVID relief package <laughs> for 1.9 trillion, with a T, trillion dollars. Ooh. This is historic. This is huge. The Senate, they passed it first. They were the ones making all of these amendments. They had Quite a lengthy process trying to get everybody on board on the Democratic side. The Republicans were not happy about any of this at all. But there was some debate within the Democratic Party internally because some of the more progressive Democratic senators or independents like Bernie Sanders, they obviously wanted, you know, more coverage. They wanted that minimum wage portion that Joe Biden had originally introduced with the bill he wanted that in there but some of the more moderates wanted to scale things back a little bit make things a little bit less expensive and just make sure that the money goes to where it's the most needed There was a long debate on the senate floor they actually set a record for an 11 hour and 50 minute vote
1: oh my gosh That's i didn't even know that
0: these people spent half a day just trying to vote on this thing that is wild the
1: pettiness
0: um, yeah and while i'm sure they're exhausted we are grateful Because it got to the next step, which was the House. And the House passes the bill 220 votes to 211 without a single Republican vote, which is the same as it was in the Senate. It was 50 to 49. There was one Republican senator, because we know the the split right now in the Senate is 50-50. So in the event of a 50-50 tie, if everything votes on party lines, Vice President Kamala Harris, who's the president of the Senate, she would break the tie and be that 101st vote to decide one way or the other. But it didn't end up mattering because one republican senator was out for family emergencies so he was not there to vote that's why it was 50 to 49 so all the democrats voted yes all the republicans voted no this is completely partisan which is wild just based on what is in the bill i honestly don't understand why it was completely partisan because i think there's a lot of good stuff in here so that's what we're going to unpack president biden signed this bill into law yesterday afternoon and stimulus checks could start hitting people's accounts as soon as this weekend So that's super exciting. They think at the very latest, by the end of March, Alyssa's cat Stanley is excited for this. (laughs) Does Stanley get a stimulus check?
1: No, but he will benefit off of mine.
0: Excellent. That's what we love to hear. He'll get paid or he'll get fed (laughs) with the uh, (laughs) the payment here. So this is a huge bill. I mean, a lot of things make up this $1.9 trillion package. So let's get into it here. So the first part, which I think is what most people are excited about, $1,400 $1,400 in direct payments mm. to American citizens for everybody making under $80,000 a year. So this, this is a lot of people. This covers a lot. It also covers $1,400 in direct payments to people filing jointly who make a total of $160,000 or less, so married couples or people like that. So that's that covers obviously a lot of people, and $1,400 is obviously better than the $600 that was passed. Last December, I think fourteen hundred would make a substantial dent for most people. You know, that could be a mortgage payment, that could be a rent payment, that could cover food for a couple months, whatever people need to use it for. So, exciting about that because if you add obviously the six hundred from December and the fourteen hundred from now, that'll be two thousand. So that's definitely helpful. Yes, Alyssa, you have a question.
1: I just wanted to add that this morning on my news show, we ran a story from CNN that said that nearly half of the United States' population has missed a rent or mortgage payment since the pandemic began, just to give you guys an idea. I know that's probably not adding much to the story, but... That's
0: important. I mean, people need this. I mean, half the country can't pay their bills right now and keep a roof over their heads. That's obviously problematic. So, this will hit people's accounts very quickly, or that check will get expedited through the mail if you don't have direct deposit set up. If you don't have direct deposits set up if you're not it will still find you the irs they know everything and they, will they do <laughs> and the income by the way that this is based off of 2020 tax returns if you've already filed those deadline coming up april 15th if you have not filed your 2020 tax returns already it will be based off your 2019 tax returns so a little psa there on taxes in addition to the direct payments. This relief package offers $300 a week for unemployment insurance and that has been extended through September 6th. So we have about 6 more months of people who if they were laid off from the pandemic or otherwise they're thankfully going to have that allowance so they can, you know, put food on the table for themselves and you know not starve to death which is important. <laughs> we don't want our people starving. Um,
1: Absolutely not.
0: So that's a good portion of it. The bill also expands child tax credit for one year. So if you have a child under six years old, you get, I'm sorry, Stanley doesn't qualify as a child in this case, but.
1: He's gone to turn two in July.
0: Well, he's under six. So people under six, you would get a child tax credit of $3,600, which is not bad per child. Stanley! I know. I think he could pass for a human. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And if you have a child between six years old and 17 years old, you get a $3,000 child tax credit. So that's exciting for parents. Um, Obviously, if any parents are out of work or anything like that, that's, God bless them. You know, they have like so much on their plate right now and- You know, we hope this can really make a a substantial impact on their hardships. So in addition to all of that, which kind of affects kind of the everyday American, there's going to be 20 billion that is poured into COVID vaccines, 25 billion in rental and utility assistance. So like you mentioned how people have been kind of unable to pay their bills right now, about 50 percent of America. This money will go toward that there will be 350 billion poured into general state local and tribal relief we love that that includes tribal. yes relief. that's definitely a part of the country people typically forget about
1: and we're glad that this is inclusive and have taken for granted in the past
0: yes absolutely dark past here in America, (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. as well as more than $120 billion directed at K through 12 schools so that they can open safely. Teachers are protected and students can still learn in person doing the social distancing. Hopefully help parents who, good Lord, if you have a bunch of kids and you're trying to get them to learn online as well
1: as trying to work, I'm not really sure how parents are doing that right now. Especially considering like so many things that may hit the wayside when trying to educate all these children
0: right and if you have one computer and more than one child who needs to use it i'm not I, I don't know how that works and libraries aren't open right now so you can't use you know public computers
1: or a shoddy wi-fi connection
0: right yeah that's definitely an issue too so 120 billion directed at k-12 through schools he's pouring 30 billion in aid to restaurants because we know they've suffered immensely during the pandemic So that'll be good that they're getting some assistance there. They're also increasing Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, which is food stamps um, and people who need to be on those. So that benefit is increasing 15% through September. So there'll be a little bit more wiggle room and the amount of money that people have, you know, through that program, which is great. And what I find super exciting about all of this is, so I didn't know this until I was doing my research for this podcast, but- one in seven children in this country live in poverty
1: Mm. isn't that awful absolutely like
0: every one in seven kid you come across like is going hungry or homeless or something to that effect and that is one of the highest rates of child poverty in the
1: developed world which is obviously very depressing and we need to do better this may not have anything to do with what you're speaking about but even before the pandemic started you'd hear all these stories about how like children were in lunch debt at schools. And I think that is the most ridiculous concept. There's obviously more other pressing things going on, but why are we charging children for food at public schools and whatnot? That's so stupid. And it's a huge issue, obviously, with kids not being able
0: to go to school because if they did have like a free lunch program or free breakfast program or something to that effect, that is where kids would get their meals. If they go to school, then they're not fed. So the pandemic has obviously exacerbated child poverty and poverty in general, but this bill with all of these stipulations in it about the child tax credit, about the nutrition assistance, the schools, all of that, this is a huge potential to slash child poverty in half. So instead of one in seven, it would be one in 14. So that's, you know, obviously we don't want any children in poverty, but any improvement is a good improvement. Yes. That's awesome. And that's, that's coming from experts on poverty and particularly child poverty that's not coming from you know a politician or anything like that it's just people looking at the data so that's exciting like i said checks should hopefully start hitting people's bank accounts this weekend everyone will have their aid if they qualify by the end of march but i also want to talk a little bit about the process that the senate and the house used to get this passed because it's a little different than how it normally works so normally with something this big it would have to pass with 60 votes. But there is something in place called the process of reconciliation. So the process of reconciliation it's something that can only be used in general about twice every fiscal year I and mean, it's only allowed to do with anything like tax related or budget related that the Senate and the House have to pass. So you can't use this on just any old bill that's going through. It has to be like very financially oriented. And through the process of reconciliation, instead of getting 60 votes, it allows you to pass with a majority. So 51 to 50, or in this case, 50 to 49, because we had that one absent Republican senator. Cool. So that was what they did. Like I said, you can only use this twice in a fiscal year. So it's, you kind of really have to pick your battles, you know, if you're kind of the party in command here and they decided you know what the stars are aligned this is kind of a once in a lifetime thing where we have this terrible event going on people need this help they need this money we have an opportunity and we have the slimmest of majorities with the vice president so Mm -hmm. dems decided okay we're just this is we're pulling the trigger on this we're going to knock this out and that's what they did so they used this process and they were able to get it passed obviously with those super slim majorities so that was exciting. This has been used a couple of times before. This was first introduced in 1980. Um, and since then it's, it's been used to enact 21 different bills. So this will be number 22, I guess. I think kind of part of the motivation also for this, or the use of this process is that, so back in 2009, President Obama was very interested in getting direct stimulus aid to people who were hard hit by the financial crisis. As we know, that was a very different crisis. It was, you know, about the housing market. It was about, you know, the failure of big banks to kind of take that risk on appropriately. And that's a whole other wormhole we could get into. But basically, a lot of people were, they lost a lot of their savings in that crisis. So President Obama at the time, he wanted to get direct stimulus to people. But what he did not do is go out and sell it to, you know, people in his party, people who were not in his party. He didn't go out and sell it. So he didn't get enough support for it. And because of that, the the Republican Party, they kind of were able to define any sort of aid that happened in their terms. And it sort of went into this big That's kind of when we started seeing a little bit more of a partisan shift between the two parties. Like we know this country is very polarized between Democrats and Republicans. And this is sort of a bit of the root of of the issue when it happened back in 2009. And this led to the rise of, you know, right groups like the Tea Party. You're familiar with them. So I think there was really sluggish recovery after that 2009 you know, recession. Um, It took years and years to come out of it. Obviously, President Obama had walked into a mess and President Trump got to benefit from some of the groundwork that had been laid. And, you know, obviously, we've been pulled backward again because of the pandemic. So I think Democrats really did not want another 2009 to happen. They decided, you know what, this is it. This is our battle. We are picking it. We're going to pour in 1.9 trillion. And away we go. So that's pretty much. Almost everything I have for the stimulus aid, it should also be noted that I understand on a principle level that conservatives tend to be fiscally conservative, so they don't like the idea of a lot of government spending, they want very limited government intervention, they want states to be able to do what the states want, what's best for them, as opposed to kind of national guidance, things like that. However, 68% of the American people, according to polls, support this legislation and not a single republican voted yes i'm just i don't know i find that a little disturbing to be honest Mm -hmm. people are starving we can't get behind kids
1: not starving what are we doing did you see the congressman that lit it up on the floor this weekend
0: which one are you referring to
1: He's from Ohio. I'm trying to find his name right now, but he was basically just yelling. And he was like, God forbid we do something for the American workers. Like, I was like, oh. Okay, the, so he was heated in like a positive. The passion.
0: Place. Okay. There was one Senator from West Virginia, Senator Manchin. He, I guess, is more of a moderate Democrat and he was not on favor with a lot of the jobless benefits that were kind of included in the bill, like the unemployment insurance. So- he was originally going to vote with the Republicans on that, and that would have obviously stopped everything in its tracks, um, so that would have caused some problems, but the Democrats, you know, through this uh, 12-hour marathon <laughs> debate and voting session that they had, they called it a Rama. so if it has a name, oh my gosh, you know, you know if something big went down. But they finally got him on their side, and they were able to pass with uh, the 50 majority, so they didn't have a threat of the filibuster with 60 votes, so... Yeah, that's pretty much all I have on that. I think it's a positive. Hopefully a lot of our listeners will be able to benefit from, you know, all this, all this aid and there's a light at the end of the tunnel here.
1: I found his name. He Mm -hmm. is Representative Tim Ryan from Ohio. And it was, it was a lot. Like I watched the full clip. I don't know how many times. And (laughs) I loved how he ended it. Quote, stop talking about Dr. Seuss and start working with us. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Like, if you haven't seen this clip, guys, go out and watch it because he, this man is passionate. And obviously, you know, like, I am not under the belief that we should hold politicians to a godlike standard. Right. But, people. Exactly. They're still people. And at the end of the day, most of them do not care about us. They are just trying to, like, make a paycheck. But at least this man is outwardly showing passion for the American people. Yeah, I think it should still be worth noting that
0: although this is super exciting and we're glad to finally get some traction here, it still took a year from Uh all this to kick off to get anything and like not to take away from 1200 and 600 that happened back in 2020. But I mean, all of the things about the nutrition assistance and the schools and the restaurant aid and all of that, like, I mean, this is worn on for a year at this point, like we have to get people help. So
1: I hate that it took this long, but I'm glad it's coming. We're making progress. We're
0: making progress. We are counting our blessings and we are moving on to our next story, which is a lot less intense. So excuse me for my, you know, little political rant there. It's probably obvious how I feel about things, but.
1: Now to talk about Chipotle.
0: Now to talk about Chipotle. That's right. So for those of our listeners who enjoy wearing makeup, you're probably familiar with the brand Elf, which is Yes! (laughs) <laughs> for eyes, lips, and face, which is where you tend to put your makeup. Um, <laughs> animal. Uh, but Elf is a really cool brand. They make really affordable products, so you're not paying, like, out the wazoo for a tube of mascara, which is preferable. They are animal and cruelty-free makeup, and they're completely vegan, which is really awesome. You know, whether or not you that's important to you, it's definitely not a bad thing that, you know, the makeup has been made cruelty-free without testing on animals or anything like that. So and it's
1: high quality.
0: Yeah, it's pretty good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's definitely not um, like the cheap stuff that uh, will make your face break out if you mm-hmm. use. You know, nothing like that. We stand ELF. Yes, we like ELF. But obviously, they're a makeup brand, and you know who's like not wearing makeup right now because there's nowhere to go. Pretty much everybody most american women or men if you're into that who wear makeup so the cosmetics industry has been doing really poorly obviously sales are down because people just don't need makeup right now they're not wearing it to sit at home and even if they're going places they're like not used to putting on the same amount anymore
1: i mean i personally am beating my face any chance i get because (laughs) i get a certain satisfaction out of sitting at home and looking at myself
0: Alice uh, Alyssa's a big makeup gal. It's it's like art for her. Like Some people like to paint. Some people like to draw. Alyssa likes to paint her face.
1: I do. So apologies ahead of time if I interject a lot during this story.
0: Oh, all good. We love the comments. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so obviously cosmetics have not been doing great because of the state of our world. However, Elf, sales are up 10% to a record 89 million for them in 2020. Woo! Which is awesome. That is their eighth straight quarter of gains. And they're currently number one in sales for brushes and in primer. Two very important products in your makeup routine.
1: Their primers are beast.
0: Yes. So that is, just for context, 89 million in sales for 2020. Like, that's awesome. But e.l.f. is like a smaller cosmetic company compared to like a CoverGirl or Maybelline or like any of those massive ones that are owned by bigger companies like Procter and Gamble owns CoverGirl for example mm-hmm. um a little bit harder to compete with but they own about 6% of the cosmetics market currently but they are publicly traded and their stock has climbed 88% over the past 12 months like they've done very well because they've been able to continue to get sales even during this pandemic about 70% of their sales have come from beauty squad members which is their loyalty program so we've seen this kind of some other brands a loyalty program can really really help you it can obviously if somebody already likes a brand if they're already loyal to it a loyalty program where they're able to get like rewards or points or something to that effect it'll really kind of incentivize them to purchase even in greater volumes maybe more so than they would have regularly purchased I am a hardcore member of the Starbucks reward program and (laughs) my longest relationship is with my gold card. So not, uh, not breaking up with them anytime soon, but this is another example of loyalty programs, really helping out a company's brand. 70% of their sales came from beauty squad and there's 2.3 million people in this. So are you a beauty squad member, Alyssa?
1: I am not, I actually did not know that Elf has a loyalty rewards program, but honestly might have to check it out.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you are continuing to purchase makeup, you may as well, and you like their stuff, so. I
1: do love Elf, like I, I am a, I am a, I am a big fan.
0: Big Elf, <laughs> um, yeah, you like your Elfs. So yeah, that's exciting that they've been able to keep generating the sales and how we're able to do that, that's what we're gonna get into. So Elf does not wait for customers to stumble along and find their products and target. No, no, they don't do that. They don't do the passive approach. No. They hunt the customer down. Yes. Like, if you ready, we gonna come find you. So, and they've been able to do this kind of with a new marketing technique and they're basically pairing their makeup with other brands that people are actively thinking about during the pandemic. So it's kind of got that subliminal messaging there. Mm-hmm. Um, which is pretty clever because pretty much all other companies they're not they're not really you know they don't care they're just gonna continue to put their ads in magazines and you know on TV and stuff like that and hope that you stumble across their products in Target or wherever you buy your makeup. But Elf decided that they were gonna partner up with Chipotle because you know it's probably eaten a lot in takeout these days. Chipotle.
1: Chipotle so, is my lie.
0: Yeah, all millennials love Chipotle, right? Yeah. <laughs> Common stereotype. I, I'm more of a willies gal myself, but Chipotle is not bad. And the companies have a very similar approach to their own brands into, th- they both are very worried about like the quality of the ingredients that they put into what they're selling, customer focused, and they're very like socially savvy. You know, they're both worried about like cruelty and, you know, things being organic and, and things of that nature. So it was a very like natural pairing. You wouldn't necessarily think that like tacos and burrito bowls would go with lipstick and eyeshadow but it worked out for them so what they decided to do was they collaborated um and they decided to put together a limited edition makeup line so do you want to hear what's in the collection
1: oh baby i already know but please enlighten us
0: okay so i thought it was kind of weird when i first read about it but i looked at pictures it's actually like pretty
1: cute it's a very do well it. done palette
0: so it has, yeah, it's a, they have a, an eyeshadow palette that is, it's inspired by like the different salsas. So they have like some reds and some browns and some greens and I guess, you know, little, little things of that nature. There's no blue salsa, so no blue eyeshadow, but um, <laughs> they have a lip gloss called Make It Hot, like hot tamales. They have, and this is my favorite part, a little makeup sponge set called Extra Guac. They have a bigger sponge that's green and it, it's in the shape of an avocado. And then they have a smaller teardrop looking one that looks like a the little pit, a little avocado pit. Yeah. So that's super cute. And then they have lastly to round out the collection, they have the eyes, chips and face like eyes, lips and face makeup bag. So yeah, it's been a very good partnership for them so far. The collection launched on March 10th and they actually had last May, the two of them did like a smaller collection kind of. And it sold out in minutes. Like you probably haven't heard about it because it literally took four minutes for the collection
1: to sell out. Wow. We. So,
0: yeah. This is good makeup. This is a brand obviously that most people like toy. Most people like uh, like makeup, and then you know the two get together. It's kind of a match made in heaven. They've also kind of upped their marketing. They've been very revolutionary with like TikTok ads. You know, obviously we're stuck indoors. or are spending a lot of time on our apps these days. So that's kind of how they're appealing to maybe some younger audiences. And they're very popular with like Gen Z in general because they're a little bit more like socially savvy. Maybe at first glance, not the most natural of pairings. But I think if you dig a little bit deeper, you can kind of read between the lines and see how it's been working.
1: They have also paired with two of my favorite people in the entire world. If any of you guys are familiar with the drag queens Trixie Mattel and Kim Chi, They did a video early this week of them trying out the collection and talking about it. Because if you're familiar with them, you know that they love Chipotle, especially like kimchi. Kimchi will go on for days about how much she loves Chipotle. And they, I think, actually have a bowl that they created through this program to market the collection. And you can go... Into the Chipotle app and be like, I want the, I can't remember what it's called, but like, I want the Trixie, Mattel, and kimchi bowl. It's called the
0: eyes, chips, and face bowl.
1: There you go. See? <laughs> and I love that because you're taking, you're using these people that already give you free publicity so often. You have a huge you, Absolutely. Like, also, like, speaking of makeup, if you've never seen a Trixie, Mattel, or a kimchi makeup video, do yourself a favor because you, I only dream of reaching the level of artistry that these two yeah. are <laughs> capable of. They know what they're doing. <laughs> Absolutely. So just throwing that out there. But I think it's really cool that they're reaching out to these people mm-hmm. and taking advantage of the free publicity and being like, well, here here you go. Here's a, here, yeah. here's a way for you to benefit off of this.
0: Absolutely. And we know drag queens probably require a good bit of makeup. So yes, they very, do. Very perfect brand pairing here previous or not to one of our previous stories both the chipotle and the elves the heads of their marketing teams they got together on international women's day march 8th so that was earlier this week they got together and they posted up on guess where clubhouse woo woo! If you haven't listened to our clubhouse episode that was episode one so you should definitely go back and give that a listen if you want to be up to date on all the new social media going on but anyway they got on clubhouse to kind of celebrate women and promote the new collection and kind of, you know, the beauty that it can add to a woman's natural beauty. So it was cool to see. But yeah, both, both Chipotle and Elf, their stocks have done very well in the past year, as I said. And I think the cosmetics industry in general is super excited about this vaccine rollout as stuff is going to continue to open. People are probably going to start putting on makeup again. <laughs> <laughs> Some of skin. us never stopped. Yeah, some, some people never stopped, but for some of us, such as myself, who don't put on any makeup to go sit in my kitchen for work anymore, I'm definitely going to need mascara. So gotta gotta purchase some of that, and I think most people are going to find their previous purchases have dried up if they haven't been actively using them. So yeah, that's what I got for today. We love Elf, we love Chipotle, and we love Stimulus Aid.
1: Yay! Also, just an additional plug for not really like indie brands, but I guess you could consider them indie brands. Both Trixie Mattel and Kimchi have their own makeup lines, and the products are very well made. They've been met with great reviews. Kimchi has a little more products available on the market right now, and I have yet to buy anything from either of them, but they're on my list because I want to support these performers. Because especially a lot of people haven't realized this, but like drag queens and drag kings for that matter have very much been affected by the pandemic because their whole they lifeline.
0: Things, yeah. Exactly.
1: Their whole lifeline is performing. And since no one's out in clubs, they can't do that. So if you're interested in helping out some drag queen makeup brands, go check out Trixie Mattel Cosmetics and Kimchi Chic Beauty. Very nice. I like it. Right, okay, let's get it's into controversy. Oh, I'm- I would like to start off um, my first topic with a little disclaimer saying that while I understand that there were many a person that was snubbed during the 63rd Grammy nominations including but not limited to Blackpink, Rina Sawayama, Halsey, Amine, Kalani, Lil Uzi Vert, Summer Walker, Selena Gomez and that's it I thought there was more, but I didn't write an and at the end of that sentence. (laughs) I want to acknowledge these people because the majority of my discussion today is going to be focused on two individuals. Those two are the person that has been the most vocal about their snub. And the second is a group that I hold very near and dear to my heart. And I know their, (laughs) and I know their process with the Grammys so I just want to put that out there you know it may seem that I'm playing favorites right now and in some way I am but it's very hard to cover every single person's reaction to a Grammy snub. These are also huge artists like
0: in terms of popularity and and coverage in the media and stuff like that so they might be the most like relevant to talk about except maybe yes. Selena Gomez but
1: yeah. She had like one good song that people were talking about like in the uh in the snubs and surprises. Well, she Our released a read. completely Spanish album today. There you so, go. For Grammy season, but maybe next year. Next Grammy season. Next Grammy season. Okay. So yesterday, The Weeknd announced following his huge snub at the 63rd Grammy Awards, that he will be boycotting the ceremony going forward because he feels that this was a complete disregard for the artistry that he put out in 2020 with After Hours and Blinding Lights and all the other singles that came out on the album. And he was the biggest name, honestly, that got snubbed during the award nominations. I watched the nominations live because of certain stakes that I have in it. and (laughs) I immediately was like, they didn't say the weekend's name at all. Oh my God. Like I immediately was like, this is about to hit the fan. Like, honey, you got a big storm coming. And it, it has been. So I don't know for certain, but our lovely friend, Jess, who is the resident Weekend super fan in our friend group, sent, right. <laughs> sent me a screenshot from Twitter where reportedly the Weekend submitted 12 nominations. Wow. Yes. He didn't get any. None. Wow. So, and The man was
0: a- the halftime performer at the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, exactly. a big deal. Mm-hmm. You have to have a certain notoriety going into the Super Bowl in order to get that gig that year. Right. And the way that Grammy submissions work is the record label that works with the artist submits the nominations and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And obviously the artist has some say in the matter, but it's the company and The Weeknd has said that, like, I don't want them... I'm pretty sure he said that I don't want them talking to the Grammys anymore. I don't want them talking to the Recording Academy and submitting my name for nominations. Mm -hmm. It is also worth mentioning that The Weeknd has won a total of three Grammys in the past, but none of them were in the major categories like Album of the Year, Best New Artist, Record of the Year, none of that. They were all like melodic, R&B you know, which are important categories, don't get me wrong, but everybody always focuses.
0: Yeah, some of the most notorious ones, I guess.
1: Yes, and there are a ton of categories at the Grammy Awards. Most of them are not even broadcast during the ceremony on air. There's quite a few that are handed out. There's so many guys. Like literally, if you just go on the Grammy's Wikipedia page, you will be scrolling for a while. Anyways, I also did some research and found out that the last black winner of album of the year was Herbie Hancock in 2008. And the album that was awarded the prestigious prize was a tribute to Joni Mitchell, which to me, it's just kind of weird because Joni Mitchell is a very well-known folk singer in the american music world if you will and the fact that a black man won the album of the year for a tribute to a white woman it just kind of seems suspicious to me and i'm not saying that herbie hancock did not work hard for this award i'm sure he did and i'm sure he's a fantastic artist it just kind of seems sus to me sure that's also 13 years ago at this point yes yes exactly that's a long time
0: plenty of very talented black artists who are getting after it and putting amazing content out there absolutely so they should at least be in the
1: running if not win at least a couple of them statistically and it also goes back to a few years ago when adele beat out beyonce the year Mm -hmm. lemonade came out and she went up on stage to accept her award and was like this belongs to beyonce like I, I don't know what the Recording Academy is smoking, but this belongs to Beyonce. So there's another example of it. We love self awareness. Yes. All right. So the IFPI, which stands for the International Federation of the Phonographic Industry, released 2020. 2020- I'm just <laughs> telling you. I'm, I'm just, sorry. I just. I think it's funny because like. Nobody knows
0: what a phonograph is anymore, but that's like what the Grammy physically looks like. It's an
1: old record player that Thomas Edison invented, and that's why it's called a Grammy because it's a gramophone. Gramophone, yes. So fun facts. History <laughs> we'll and serve you
0: for you there, but uh, that's
1: that's funny. They never updated the name. Yeah, the exactly. Conference. So the IFPI released their 2020 stats from this past year, and basically what the IFPI does is looks into all the charts across the entire world of music and brings it all together to summarize it and bring notoriety to these artists. Mm -hmm. The Weeknd won the Global Digital Singles Chart with Blinding Lights. Yeah, exactly. So they're like Bayes Singles Award of the Year went to The Weeknd. Went to The Weeknd. Still nothing. Not nominated for a Grammy. It is worth noting as I transition into my other group that I'm going to talk about. uh, Dynamite by BTS was number 10 on the global digital singles chart. So. Top 10, baby. Top 10, baby. Um, BTS also won the global artist chart for the IFPI. And The Weeknd was at number four. Okay, so these are the heavy hitters. Yeah. It's like, hmm, interesting. BTS also won the Global Albums All Formats chart with their album that came out earlier last year around February or March called Map of the Soul 7. The Weekends After Hours album was at number two. There's a pattern here. Yes, there, yeah, there seems to be something going on. Um, it's also worth mentioning that B- which was the album that BTS released in November, November of 2020, came out number four. Wow. Yeah. So like- like, Right toward the end of the year and they still got ranked that high. That's impressive. mm -hmm. Exactly. They, They are, and I'll get more into it. The last one I have for you from the IFPI, BTS won the top 10 global album sales with Map of the Soul 7. Now, The weekend was not featured in this category, but it is worth mentioning that BTS released three albums in the year 2020. They released Map of the Soul 7, Map of the Soul Journey, which was a Japanese translation of Map of the Soul 7 and included some bonus content. And B, all three of those albums featured on the global album sales chart. Wow, all right then, good for them. Yes.
0: They were nominated for a Grammy though were they not? They were. But this is their first nomination. This is
1: yes you're you're getting ahead of me. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No you're fine you're fine. BTS has been featured at the Grammys before. In 2019 they were invited to the ceremony but they weren't nominated and they did not perform. They just presented an award, I believe it was best R&B performance, and they gave it to her. And R.M., who is the leader, made a, made a point to say to the Recording Academy, like, while giving this award, we'll be back. And I was like, that, that's my man right there. Anyway, <laughs> that's my husband. Anyways. And in 2020, they were invited back and they performed with Lil Nas X during his Old Town Road experience. What a combo. What a combo. (laughs) What a combo. It was great. If you go back and look at it, everybody looks like, uh, everybody looks great. I'll I'll hold my comments. This is their first Grammy nomination. And I'm relatively new into the BTS Army, but I know for a fact that they have been submitting nominations for a few years now. Mm -hmm. And It rubs me as well as other fans the wrong way that the first nomination that they have gotten is for their all English English song. Because they're a K-pop group. They are a K-pop group. For those of you who don't know, BTS is from South Korea and for the majority of their career has sang in Korean, but every now and then they mix in a few English words into their songs. But Dynamite, which was released last summer, was their first entirely English song and it was a smash. Like, people were lighting it it up like Dynamite all summer long. It just kind of goes into play how, in my opinion, Airplay has such a big influence over the Recording Academy and how they present these awards because Obviously, The weekend is getting a decent amount of airplay, but I feel like compared to, let's say, Taylor Swift with Folklore, and I have nothing against Taylor Swift, but Folklore was on a repeat all throughout summer, and Dua Lipa was being performed and ran on the radio over and over and over again. And once again, I have nothing against Dua Lipa. But it's it's so disheartening and like frustrating to see the the weekend as well as bts get all these awards and all this recognition from an international music company Mm -hmm. and not be recognized at quote music's biggest night
0: yeah there's definitely some sort of disconnect here because it's not like obviously there are a lot of artists out there who are working hard and putting out good content and like they just the grammys cannot recognize everybody absolutely to be here forever mm-hmm. but that doesn't line up if they've had that commercial success and they've gotten that recognition and obviously you know the number one single and the super bowl performance mm-hmm. those people are putting in their time they're doing their work and bts while it's not all in English. It's still pop music. Like it's definitely something that you would hear on the radio, just from like a genre yes. point of view. But they're not getting, I guess, that airtime in the states because
1: most of us don't speak Korean. Um, and you know, that's that's unfortunate. They're very talented. They are very talented. I'm trying not to be biased when I tell you guys this, but like, if there is someone that you would or should look into look into them. Cause they've been around since 2013. Like they've been in the business for a hot second mm-hmm. and it's, they, they have worked really hard. Like the way that idol groups in South Korea work is you audition for, and this is a baseline explanation. I don't know everything about it, but you audition to become an idol and multiple different agencies can sign you mm-hmm. and their company which is called Big Hit, but it's actually going through a name change right now to HYBE. They were a very small company, like no one took them seriously. And BTS has basically put Big Hit at the top, just to show like how hardworking they are and how they basically come from nothing and weren't given many opportunities, even in the South Korean music market. Mm -hmm. And it's, Mm -hmm. they're just a really interesting group to look into, like, once again, try not to sound biased, but they've worked really hard. And these boys are actually putting out like solo work on top of their album charts. Like pretty much every single one of them has at least a solo single and three of them actually have solo mixtapes right now. So
0: busy. busy. I think it's also important to note that I think they're at a disadvantage because they're not an American group mm-hmm. and that maybe that's a well duh statement but I mean <laughs> it obviously doesn't apply to the weekend but like they're not Canadian yeah yeah he, no he is Canadian but <laughs> like, obviously like I don't know just because it's a different language like they mostly speak English in Canada some provinces speaking French but
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah there's just it seems like a lot of people don't want to necessarily listen to something just because they can't understand it. And while I completely understand that, like some people, the lyrics are really important to them when they listen to music. So if you can't understand it, that can take away from it. Mm -hmm. But you can always look up translations and like a lot of the rest of the world, they listen to American music. So there's no reason why we shouldn't sample other cultures and their music and like their artists that make their, you know, culture
1: special. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying that because genius.com, I don't speak Korean. I'm trying to learn some base level stuff, but genius.com with their lyric translations and their like deep dives into what the lyrics mean has been a godsend. And it really shows you like how much time and effort is put into the composition of any number of songs, not just BTS, but like various other languages as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just wanted to highlight this and talk about it because a lot of people think that if they do win their award on Sunday, that's going to be their like final step in their American journey because they've tried so hard to like break into the American music industry for so long. And obviously it's a very frustrating business as well as journey. So they think if they do win this award, they're going to be like, all right, we got what we wanted. We outie and honestly would not blame them.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you probably want to go where you're loved and where you're, you know, um, recognized for your hard work. And yeah, I can understand that for sure. But, you know, they have plenty of American fans
1: here. (laughs) I Um, will gladly travel to South Korea to go see them live. All right. Sorry if that bored anyone or you got tired of hearing about no, it was a great story. Thank you. It's important.
0: It's important because they are both obviously racial minorities. Yes. They're not white. And
1: that probably played a factor. Yes. And just like it it really does highlight the xenophobia and underlying racism that the music industry is perpetuating through things like Grammy nominations and airplay. So I just wanted to go on that and just talk about it a little bit. Okay. So this next story is intense. I want to warn people, uh, give a little trigger warning in case you, <laughs> Annabelle just grabbed a pillow, Watching my pearls in my pillow, but I was on entertainment weekly. Like I always am. And I found some updates on the army hammer situation, which mm-hmm. led me to a fantastic Vanity Fair article that was actually just published yesterday by Julie Miller called The Fall of Army Hammer, A Family Saga of Sex, Money, Drugs, and Betrayal. Ooh. Yes. Great read. Obviously, I'm going to only touch the surface of the deep, deep research that this woman put into this story, but you're interested in that, let's go along for the ride. Vanity Fair has some great journalism. They really do. They really do. Like Vanity Fair gets overlooked a lot, but they're they're putting in the work too. Let's give them some give them some credit. So, <clears throat> many of you might be familiar with the text messages that went viral a few months ago regarding Army Hammer and certain comments that he made towards various different women and i was thinking about that and i wanted to start at the beginning so very good place to start yeah (laughs) that was kind of a redundant statement wasn't it i had to make a sound of music reference sorry (laughs) (laughs) but army hammer was actually married for 10 years to a lovely woman named elizabeth chambers And during quarantine in 2020, he and his family went to the Cayman Islands, which they actually have a long history of living in. I believe Army actually like grew up in the Cayman Islands, but he seemed to be kind of over it. Like after a few months, he felt like claustrophobic and suffocated by this whole quarantine situation. So he fled. He did. Yeah he fled the Cayman Islands and as soon as he did that was like the last nail in the coffin for Elizabeth and she filed for divorce in July of 2020.
0: Mm-hmm. Now we- so they were
1: quarant- oh, I'm
0: sorry they were quarantining in the Cayman Islands?
1: Yes. I'm sorry. I'm I know like, right the privilege.
0: Right I'm trying not like I'm sure he was mentally struggling but
1: quarantining and paradise yes Exactly. (laughs) sorry harmy hammer (laughs) no you won't be saying that at the end of this so weeks after elizabeth files for divorce several women come forward with various tales of abuse from a mr hammer and obviously all of it hit a fever pitch with the screenshots detailing various fantasies about rape as well as cannibalism. Oh my God. Yes, and I'm gonna get more into that in a few minutes, but this this really sent me on a tailspin into how deep his family seems to be struggling. Now, before I get into that, he did step away from a romantic comedy film that he was going to be co-starring with Jennifer Lopez in as well as the Paramount Plus Godfather series. You remember us talking about that? Mm-hmm. That was a good episode too. Yeah, he was <laughs> self-referential. Uh, he was supposed to be in that and he dropped out of it. He was also dropped by his agency, WME. All from the text messages? Mm-hmm. Wow. From the fallout of the text messages. So now begins the Hammer family scandal saga which I have alternatively titled, and I'm sure other people have too, Bringing Down the Hammer. I love it, you're welcome. <laughs> Army's great-great-grandfather, Dr. Julius Hammer, in 1919 in New York City, I believe. And he gave a Russian diplomat's wife an abortion like under the table. Okay and 1919 obviously medicine is not at its most advanced stage and abortions are not not smiled upon by many not legal not safe no well it's funny you say that because uh, just a few days later the poor woman died i thought that was coming yes uh-huh and once again this is a russian diplomat's wife not royalty but a dignitary it's also worth mentioning that this family has like russian roots like eastern european roots so dr julius hammer was convicted of first degree manslaughter and sentenced to three and a half to 12 years in sing sing prison yikes yes so while you know old julius is serving his jail sentence his son Army Hammer's great great grandfather, who I'm pretty sure is his namesake, Armand Hammer, he took over the family business and also moved to the Soviet Union in 1921. But he eventually moved back to the United States because the reason he moved to the Soviet Union in the first place was to strengthen family bonds and try to like build up his, you know, status and his reputation. But He eventually comes back to the U.S. and tried to dismiss the Soviet connections because they were heavily involved in the Communist Party at this point in history. Mm -hmm. And they actually had ties to Lenin as well. Yes. So that would not have been looked at fondly in America. No, no, no. Well, in 1996, a biography is made about Armand Hammer, and he originally hired a gentleman. I could not find his name. I saw his last name, but I could not find his first name. His name was Epstein. But he hired this man oh, to- a
0: go- good
1: last name. I know, right? It's like now cursed forever. Not um, relevant, but ooh, bad coincidence. Yeah, exactly. Armand Hammer initially hired this man to ghostwrite a memoir to kind of be like, look how great I am. I've done so much work. woo, woo, woo. woo. Well, Armand Hammer ended up dying in 1990, so this biography came out six years after his death and exposed Armand Hammer for money laundering, funding Soviet espionage through art, bribery, and knocking off Fabergé eggs. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so he was busy with the white-collar crime there. Yeah, you know, just just, just dabbling, if you will. Casual money laundering? Yeah. He also made an illegal contribution to the Nixon re-election campaign and faced felony obstruction of justice charges, but they were ultimately dropped, and he was pardoned by a Mr. George H. W. Bush. Gotcha. So he was a, uh, maybe not the most honest of men. No, not really. <laughs> not really a stand-up individual. Okay, so now we move on to the grandfather. Grandfather's there's name some, is huh. There's some generational tea going on. Yes, yes. We just are building up to army, right? Exactly. Yeah, we're we had to we had to start in 1919 and move all the way forward the to 2021. Now? Yeah, now we almost here. Yeah, I mean, honestly, started at the bottom and going back to the bottom. We're still at the bottom. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. so. In the hours following his 26th birthday, his grandfather, Julian, killed a man in 1955 over a gambling debt and supposed advances on his wife.
0: Oh, okay. Well, nobody likes to lose money no. or have their woman
1: hit on, but maybe, maybe not something to kill people over. May- maybe not resulting in murder? Yeah. Yeah. He ended up claiming self defense and his charges were dropped. Wow. Okay. Ain't that funny? Ain't it funny how these white men and their charges keep getting dropped? Yeah, it is funny. Mm. He also allegedly sexually abused his daughter, which just like you're a disgusting individual, regardless, like no matter who you sexually abuse, but if it's your own child how dare you yeah, how very like, dare you a whole different level of mm-hmm. disturbing it's disturbing yeah. so after armand's death there were over 100 claims and lawsuits filed against his estate basically from family members saying he said i would have this much hit my name was in that will to organizations and charities that were like he promised us this much money and we've never seen it Okay, now we're moving on to the father. Army's father had DUI charges in 2011, but they were ultimately dropped. And he inherited a gallery in Armand's will, but the gallery was accused of forging artworks. And he allegedly used a company credit card to buy two luxury cars and a Paris trip worth upwards of $1 million. Wow, that's an expensive trip to Paris. Yes, and supposedly he sold one of his luxury cars that he bought on this company credit card, but kept the sale of the car, which was around $425,000, on on his W-2 as salary. Oh, so now we're getting into tax fraud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't really get much into this because I... didn't feel comfortable doing it but the article also detailed his father supposedly had what they called a sex throne which what yeah exactly it sounded like he had like a specific room for sexual activities so to speak and I, I honestly just wanted to briefly touch on this because I feel that it can play a bigger role into his son's issues with how he views sex and intimacy and relationships because what a lot of people don't realize is how you view relationships and romantic encounters as a child heavily influences you as an adult yeah absolutely because i've watched i don't know how many serial killer documentaries or listened to podcasts about them and you know, some of these people grow up in abusive households. And as they grow up, they automatically link sex with violence. Mm-hmm. And that is not the case. That should not be the case. But it's it's just an interesting dive. So now we're getting to the present of Army Hammer. His past romantic partners have described various destructive behaviors and allegedly he established rules in the relationships it's kind of like a christian
0: gray type yeah very domineering like sign this contract type person
1: yeah intimate life like you can't go here you can't be friends with these type of people you can't be out past a certain time at night just that kind of stuff um so i i did not write down every single Text message excerpt, obviously, because that is very harrowing and very scary. But some of them I did write down. Uh, caution, I'm about to start reading them. So if you need to skip ahead, please do. Quote, I want to eat your ribs. Yeah. I'm going to train you and turn you into my perfect little pet. No. No. There was also a very detailed text message revealed in the screenshots leak about him wanting to cut off someone's toes. Yuck. I know. I know. I'm, I'm sorry, but it needs to be addressed. Quote, I need your blood. I crave it. So maybe he's a vampire? I I, I don't know. I... I uh... Um, Sounds like a cannibal, the way he's talking, that's for sure. Yes, it definitely does. This is the last one, and honestly, this is the one that kind of scared me the most. You crying and crawling away while I stalked you down your hallway was so exhilarating.
0: Ooh, that's sick.
1: Yeah. Ooh. And from these things, you know, it it seems as though Mr. Hammer has a very, you know specific preference when it comes to sex. And I want to state right off the top that this is in no way a condemnation of BDSM because or sexual like preferences for that matter. Listen, absolutely not. Like sex positive people. Like what yes. you do for business as long as it's consensual. Exactly. That's that's exactly what I was getting into. Because the BDSM community has caught a lot of flack in the past few years because of things such as like 50 shades of gray, mm-hmm. but BDSM is actually a very consensual act right. and you have to be very trusting of the individual you are participating in BDSM with. And this just does not seem as though it was consensual. That's no. what we're knocking. If He's stalking women, mm-hmm. training them as pets. Mm-hmm. That does not, that sounds heavily one-sided. Absolutely. So far, no criminal charges or lawsuits have been filed against Army Hammer, and no one has accused him of acting on these alleged cannibalistic fantasies, which is a good thing.
0: These messages are just out there, Mm -hmm. disturbing people.
1: But Mm -hmm. do we know who leaked them? Was it anonymous? The account was Effie? Hold on. I have, I have it. House of Effie. Was she one of his, I don't know if victim is the right word, but was she someone who was involved with him? I'm not sure if they were actually involved in real life, but I do know that there was one individual that Vanity Fair talked to. Her name is Paige Lorenz and they were romantically involved for a few months. She was one of the individuals that came forward about the rules. I don't think she mentioned anything about the cannibalistic fantasies, but she did definitely talk to him about like, the pet situation, and the rules. Wow, no, he's very controlling. Yeah. Yes. More women are coming forward stating like similar stories. So all we can hope is that if he did in fact harm anyone, yeah, he needs to be dealt with. Right. And this also seems to be a situation of mental health, you know, taking care of yourself. Because I always go back to this podcast that I listened to, one of the hosts, her name is Amanda from Wine and Crime. And she always says, mental health is not your fault, but it is your responsibility. And yeah, and just knowing that you have a problem that could become harmful to other individuals, you need to definitely get out there and seek some help. and. I hope the best for his victims and that this situation is dealt with promptly. Yes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think this is kind of one of those interesting stories where you always hear in the scientific community about, is it nature? Like, is it your genetics that kind of make you the way you are? Or is it nurture, like how you were raised? Or is it kind of a combination of the two? And this really kind of seems like, more of an argument for the nature side but also the nurture if he was growing up in an growing up in an environment where like the men were very controlling and dominating over women and if his father had a sex throne for crying out loud that's gonna if he knew about it as a kid which oh my goodness that's a whole other issue but yes it, it, that's interesting I think all of the thank you for the background I guess from his lineage because I think that absolutely
1: plays a big role here It's also worth noting that Army Hammer has been vocal in the past about his struggles with addiction to substances as well as alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I wrote on here, once again, this is not a condemnation of BDSM, but rather the prompting of a discussion on the various levels of consent and holding rich white families responsible and accountable for their actions.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those were all very, that was a wide range of crimes committed Yes, are members of that family. I don't even know like what is the worst of them to be honest, because I guess it just depends on like the, how everything played out and how awful everything ended up being. But yeah, that is all very, very interesting
1: that the charges were dropped. Yes. Okay, so I completely understand that that was a very dark and very heavy subject. So I wanted to end this week with a palate cleanser, if you will. What you got? I have this little story that I saw this morning and it made me smile so hard. So many of our listeners may be familiar with the film Toy Story. Oh, yes. One of the best. And the whole point of Toy Story is basically these toys come to life and they voice their love and support for their owner. And sometimes they get separated from their owner and they want to make it back to them so this family was traveling to Dallas Love Field a few days ago and their little boy whose name was Hagen had a Buzz Lightyear toy and sadly when they got into their uber lyft rideshare car they realized that Buzz was nowhere to be found was he in the pizza planet truck no (laughs) no no (laughs) no he he got left behind on the plane and so the plane ended up going to little rock arkansas and someone found little buzz and checked his boot like in the movie and it had the name hagen written on it oh my goodness i know and they were like okay we're gonna find some way to get this toy back to this kid well a few days later Hagen and his family received a very special box in the mail and not only was Buzz back but he arrived in a hand decorated box complete with a letter describing Buzz's mission through Southwest Airlines and it just was so sweet like there's little pictures of the the box and it's like Space Ranger to infinity and beyond and the letter read as follows. Commander Hagen, I am very excited to return to you upon completing my mission. I was able to explore the airport and spaceport in Little Rock, Arkansas, while I was away. and I have included photos of my adventure. My journey has taught me a lot, but I am so thankful to return to my buddy. To infinity and beyond, your buddy, Buzz Lightyear. Aww. And they have like little pictures of the the toy like outside of the thing and just it's just so cute and they actually drew the like star command symbol from the movie oh my gosh <laughs> pretty cool like they went to a lot of effort to get this toy back to this little boy and it just it it made my heart smile so oh, that's a great palette cleanser thank you for that. <laughs> you're at the end there with that that was awesome
0: uh you have anything else for us this week
1: uh, the Grammys are this
0: weekend. <laughs> yeah, uh, the weekend will not be watching. This the weekend will
1: not be watching. I will be watching and I'll probably have a rundown of all the performances next week because people are really excited about, you know, since no one's gonna be in the actual ceremony space, they're getting creative with how to put on these performances from various different stages around the world.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: not to brag, But BTS has done some amazing shows for the Asian award ceremony circuit in the past few months. So I'm really excited to see what they pull out for the Grammys.
0: Yeah, it'll be great. And we will have you two debrief us. Yay! Thank you guys for listening. We know this was a little bit of a longer episode this week, but there was a lot to cover. So Thank you for joining us. Get your vaccine when it's your turn. Keep checking your bank accounts for those stimulus checks. If you qualify for those, go buy some Elf and some Chipotle, I guess. It's
1: and, sold out uh, online, so. Yeah.
0: And don't fall for any uh, cannibals.
1: No. God.
0: <laughs> they, they lurk among us. They, <laughs>
1: There's a cannibal. they walk among us. <laughs> so
0: thank you, guys. We will be back next week with more stories. Thanks for listening to Was Media. Yay!